Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 92 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with John McDonald. John lives in Austin, Texas. He grew up in Chicago, and he works as a comedian, an actor, and a voice actor. Welcome, John. Hey, Jen. How are you doing? I am doing great, and I I just want to mark this occasion with an announcement of my own. The day that this podcast is going live is June 2nd which is a very big day for me. And you know what's happening that day, right? I do. It's the day that my new book, Fast, Feast, Repeat, is available. So everybody, if you did not pre-order Fast, Feast, Repeat, you can get it now. It's actually available. So by the time this comes out, I'll be holding it in my hands and I cannot wait. It's a very exciting day. So I just had to had to say that as soon as I saw the air date of June 2nd, on this podcast prep sheet, I got really excited. 
Well, that is exciting. I mean, because I, everybody has been waiting for this book and it has taken a little longer than the other ones because you're not self-publishing this one, correct? Right. Self-publishing. I mean, you could write a self-published book at eight in the morning and it would, could be live by nine in the morning. I wouldn't advise that, but <laughs> you could. <laughs> Some of them that are out there, I think that might be what they did, but... No, that that's true. You you get a, you get to look at some of the stuff. You're like, oh well, this is kind of a pamphlet, isn't it? Oh my goodness. All right, yeah. Yeah, but yes, yeah, so, but the real publishing process with a traditional publisher like Macmillan, which is my publisher, there's a lot of eyes and a lot of hands in the process. I've loved it though. There's no better feeling than having a copy editor go back over everything you've written. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I found so many, or he found so many mistakes. I was like, ooh, that's odd. I'm so glad you found it. Anyway. Thank you for being here today on what is a very special day for me. So I'm, I'm glad I have you here because you're you're a group member that has made me smile since the day you first popped up. Do you remember your first post that you made in the One Meal a Day Facebook group? I'm not sure if it was in One Meal a Day or the DDD beginning group, but I was in an airport getting ready to go to another ship. And I it was a Friday, so I did a face-to-face Friday of basically me sitting there. And I said, yeah, this is my first face-to-face Friday since I've just joined. The picture on the right is 30 seconds, 38 seconds later than the picture on the left. (laughs) Right, right. And I can't remember which group it was in either. I was thinking it might have been one meal a day, but it made me laugh so hard. And I'm like, all right, welcome, John. So I'm glad to have you here on the podcast. I've been watching you since the beginning. You know, we teachers have our eyes on people. Absolutely. And you don't want the class clown to get out of hand or you know, start banging the erasers in the middle of class. So, But most teachers really secretly love the class clown, even if we have to look at you, you know, with the teacher look sometimes. Well, yeah, no. And a, and a few of my posts have been denied because uh, they were a little naughty. But some of the stuff I send in to you guys is for you guys to laugh. If y'all get a good laugh, I don't care what you post. You can post all of them, none of them, some of them. It's never going to bother me. So sometimes I want to send stuff in. Like I wanted to send one in this morning that said, I'm closing comments on this post right now because there isn't anything in this post. (laughs) We would have laughed. The moderators, you know, with our post approval, we sometimes will be like, look at this one. And then we laugh, you know, when one like that definitely makes our day. So. And, and I have to say, I really love the post that Fred put up about what all of y'all do, because it's a situation where I don't think people completely understand what goes into this. And I'm just kind of in awe because you started something for yourself and your friends. And it is, as you've told me personally, a labor of love for you. And it appears that all of the people you've chosen as moderators and administrators, it's also a labor of love for them. So they have lived this, they have lived this, they've researched this, they've got it down. And I have never in my life seen a group that is so incredibly supporting, loving, caring, nurturing, even support groups that you find where you're face to face with people. There's always going to be somebody who's not that much fun to be around. But I think people have the opportunity here to be vulnerable and to be real and to open up and to be supported 100% in everything that they do. And you people, (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I mean, we are back there behind the scenes of this Facebook group that's now, you know, massive. It's huge. It's huge. 250,000 members, you know, from around the world. You know, we sit back there behind the scenes, and if a, if someone posts something really vulnerable, 
we'll say, here's comes a post. And then we will, we call it babysitting the post. We will keep our eyes on it because we, we know where, where the snark comes out. You know, we're like, let's watch it. Make sure nobody is unkind because we're not going to put up with that because we want to have a supportive environment where people do feel like they can share their, their weak moments, their struggles in an honest way without people who are sitting behind the keyboard, you know, being ugly. But we, we watch it and we, we care very much about the members. So I'm glad that that's apparent from the other side. But it does take more work than people realize. Oh, no, because when I'm home, I have my day to myself. I can go do what I want or I can sit here and play on Facebook all day if I feel like it. When I'm on a ship, I, I only check in when I have a chance to get some internet or things like that. So I'll see that when I wake up early, that you're already on, that Roxy's on or any of the other moderators, Fred's on, and for hours and hours and hours. And you're on top of it, all of you. And, it, and it's wonderful because it's a situation where I will admit there's obviously a lot more ladies than there are men, and I will say that the ladies are so much more courageous than I myself am because the photos of the starting point, midpoint, goals, things like that, I don't know that I can do it. I am in a situation where I don't feel particularly great about my body. I'm, I'm able to make jokes and to talk about it and to be vulnerable to a degree. That's why I posted that one face-to-face that had three, which was my start day picture in the airport, what I look like that day, and then me taking my finger and pushing the fat to the side underneath the point of my chin. Because although there's less swelling and inflammation around my eyes and in my face, and you can see my jawline, this is still there. So rather than have a you know 1980s glamour shot of what I look like, this is my face. You can see the jawline. You can see the smile. You can see the, the smile lines or dimples are back, but there is this fat under the point of my chin that will either continue to be there or shrink or autophagy will do its job or whatever. It doesn't matter, but that's the reality of what it is. And I'm still thrilled. Yeah. You're going to be so glad that you have those beginning pictures though. Have you taken some beginning pictures? Maybe not ones you want to share on Facebook right now, but with less clothing on just to show, you know, how your body's going to change over time. No, I I haven't because part of the problem I have is I'm really embarrassed by the amount of weight that's on my chest and around my middle. The middle doesn't bother me so much because that's kind of what like men look like anyway. But the stuff on my chest is very embarrassing to me. And I am very well aware of what I looked like because I I shower with me constantly. So I know, but I mean, to be kind of silly about it, I have quite a bit less side boob going on right now. And I'm, and I'm very happy about that. I mean, it's still in the front. I have a, a huge abdominal scar on an angle, and I'm looking forward to that being less prominent because I've seen ladies talk about their abdominal scars, their cesarean scars, things like that. But also it's herniated at the top, so I tend to wear a compression undershirt just to keep that in line and less painful. So when I'm not wearing a compression shirt, it's more obvious the the weight on my chest. I don't care for it, but I'm not particularly bothered by it because this is so encouraging that this is a lifestyle. We literally have the entirety of the rest of our days to live this, to tweak it, to figure it out. And because it's so forgiving and so flexible and so wonderful in that regard, I've never felt so free in my life to do this however it works out. One of the things that you told me, I was on a ship 
I started at 24 because when I signed on to that ship, a magician who I had not met until I got there revealed to me that she was also an intermittent faster. So we were both like, oh, you know, and we had our meals together and 24 worked for us because we were busy goofing off and doing stuff all day and getting ready for our shows. And then we would have our meals together. So we would open with like a latte and a cupcake at the coffee shop or we would open with some cheese and crackers upstairs. And when they did hummus and prosciutto and things we're like, ooh, we've got appetizers going on. And we do that and we talk and we'd laugh and visit. And then we would go get some salad, we'd get some soup, and then we'd wander around. And one of the things I want to put people's mind at ease about in regard to vacations and ships and things, your phrase of window worthy is amazing. Once you realize that, we are no longer judging ourselves. We are judging the food, right? I'm walking up and down that buffet line like a boss going, all right, who's going to make the cut tonight? Can't be everybody. Pasta's looking a little weak. You got to know there's a little Indonesian fellow carving up a turkey the size of a Volkswagen around the corner, and he's got stuffing, and he's got cranberries. I think that's going to be the winner tonight. And there's no fear. There's absolutely no fear because I can walk around and I can go, eh, I don't think so. Or when I see roasted root vegetables on the ship, I'm like, yes. So half the plate is those and then some protein. And, you know, our taste change, as we've all talked about. So there is that. But also you don't have to not have dessert. The fact that there's nothing restricted here means if you like bread and butter, oh, my goodness, I do. I'll have a little of that going on. And they've got those pretzel rolls. Oh, get out of here. So great. And then if there's a dessert that I like, I'm just as picky about that. I'll look at it and I'll go, eh. But if they got New York cheesecake or they got rainbow sherbet, back up. This is happening right now. Love it. Well, I want to just circle back and say I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and take some photos now. Even if you feel vulnerable with them, don't show them to anybody. You're going to be glad that you have them. Just trust me on that. Take them, hide them, put them in a secret folder somewhere, lock them away. You'll be glad that you have them. Now, it has taken us, I always start with the same question, and now we're already, (laughs) I did not start with my original question that I always start with. So let me ask you this, John, what brought you to intermittent fasting, and when was that? Okay, well, my first day of fasting was December the 20th, 2019. And basically, the the short version of my life is once upon a time, there was a very, very skinny little boy, and his mother had a hard time even finding him clothes. He was so thin. And then right around nine or 10 years old, I became overweight, eventually obese, and then borderline morbidly obese. And then a beautiful princess from Georgia wrote some books, and he bought the books, he read the books, he started fasting, and he lived happily ever after. Amen. The end. Well, thank you. That's been that's been our episode today, John. I'll see you. <laughs> We're done. It's over. Good night, everybody. <laughs> so that's interesting. So you were really, really skinny, and then all of a sudden you, you became overweight at about 9 or 10? Yes. And so there's pictures of me. As a young boy, I mean, incredibly thin. I mean, not like, you know, he's sick, but I mean, very thin little boy. Pictures of me at my first communion, thin. And then about nine or 10 on vacation, I've got, I've started to get the weight on the chest. I've got the, the ring around the middle, the spare tire thing going. And my brother is still thin. My cousins were thin. 
And so there wasn't any particular trauma or craziness. But what I remember very clearly is at some point, just to back up a second, my parents split when I was five, my brother was three. And I went to go live with my mom and her parents in an apartment. And then my grandfather, who's obviously gone now, unbelievable man, he's got an apartment. He's raised his children. He's living with his wife and working every day. And now he has to buy a home for him and his wife, his grandchildren, and his daughter to live in. And because we're five and three, that man has to shovel the snow, cut the grass, edge the lawn, trim the trees and the hedges and all of that because we're just little, little boys. That was a sacrifice that just blows me away to this day. Yeah, because he he went back to a house for y'all. He did. And so we were in a loving environment. We were in a situation that even though my parents had split up, we still had Christmas and still had a vacation in the summer. And it's a car vacation because that's what we did back then, you know, and all of that. So there's no major trauma. My father saw us one day on the weekend alternating Saturdays and Sundays, had us for two weeks in the summer. So I don't know that anything precipitated the weight gain. But what I remember very clearly is all of a sudden sneaking food, like a squirrel going and getting five Oreos and eating them when people couldn't see or being at a party and waiting till people weren't by the buffet table and shoving two brownies in my mouth. And I don't know where that came from because we weren't rich. We weren't dirt poor. I mean, The thing that makes me laugh is I believe when parents and grandparents raise a child correctly, you have absolutely no idea what your social status or what your financial status is because you're getting fed every day. You got clothes, you got a roof over your head, but (laughs) the size of a steak that I can eat by myself was a sirloin steak that was cut into five pieces for the five of us when I was young. And as far as I knew, we were living, baby, because I was eating steak. My aunt, the only one left on my father's side of the family, had six kids. And she would make something that she called any old thing. And everybody has this recipe. When you don't have a lot of money, you figure out a way. And so she lives down by Tampa. And I I caught a ship coming out of there. And I said, Aunt Lou, I'm coming down there. Can I come visit? She says, oh, I'll make you anything you want for lunch. And I said, can you make that stuff you made for us with everything in there? And she goes, you mean any old thing? And I said, yeah. She, she goes, what are you, an idiot? I said, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? She goes, John, I can make you anything on the planet, whatever you want. Don't you realize that's what I did to make one pound of ground beef feed eight people? And you don't think about that when you're a kid. It's a great memory for me, but you know the recipe. You brown up the meat, you pour off the fat, you add a can of crushed tomatoes, it gets bigger. You add a can of kidney beans, it gets bigger. You add a bunch of macaroni, it gets bigger. Little cheese on the top, a scoop and a half for everybody and a piece of bread, dinner. You know, how come my bread's green? (laughs) Because your bread's magic. Yay! (laughs) We didn't throw anything out, you know? Oh, gosh, just scrape that part off, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's good for you. It's fine. All right. So... I don't remember there being any trauma when I was a kid, but I remember all of a sudden being heavier. And then the dieting started because your parents wonder, geez, everyone else is doing okay. Why is the problem here? And so they talked to doctors. And since this is the 70s, we've got the grapefruit diet and we've got calorie counting. We've got diet bread thin sliced cardboard tasting horrible stuff with two pieces of ham that is on there. And you know, and they were trying to figure out 
ways to help me. All of it's wrong, which we know now, but that's not anyone's fault because that's that's all you can go by. You can go by the books. You can go by what the doctors say. You can go by what your family says, which is all that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. But one thing I remember is when I was young and going to grade school, I never wanted to eat breakfast. I wasn't hungry. I wasn't interested. And so my mom, you remember cocktail rye, those little pieces of rye bread came in a tiny loaf? I do, the little square ones. Yeah, square ones or oval-shaped ones. Well, she would have that. So I would toast that, put butter on it, and have that. And she was like, fine. But then when I was told that I had to eat breakfast, everything changed. I put on weight. And then it was off to the races. And I was just eating huge amounts. Now, you also have the phenomenon of how men and women, boys and girls, are treated differently. If a boy eats a lot, oh, he's a big boy. He's got an appetite. Look, hearty appetite. But a girl, that's not very ladylike eating two racks of ribs, you know. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love your Facebook group so much is because there is the nurturing that we may or may not have gotten for whatever reason when we were younger or when we were, quote unquote, dieting, because the way women are looked at is so much different than the way men are looked at. Men get a nickname. Hey, big man, big daddy, big poppy. Hey, hoss. You know, hey, did you see him? Do- man, Billy can sure put it away. Boy, that was something else. He tore into that, had four big pieces of cornbread and a dang near bucket of beans. And he's been drinking beer since he was like 12. I mean, he's a big old man. And that's fine. But if you're a lady and you're anywhere from overweight to morbidly obese, you're lazy. It's horrible. But the flip side to that is when y'all lose weight and you get to shop for clothes, it's an event. Well, that's true. I am really happy to be a woman because I do love the women's clothes. Yeah. Yeah. For men, we lose weight and we just stop buying our clothes at a farm supply store. That's all. You know, I need 40 yards of mulch and y'all sell britches. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. We have so many more options with clothes. That's true. Well, although I will say that's not true when you're heavy. You know, when I was 210 pounds, I remember how hard it was to shop for clothing as a woman because everything was stretchy and you were just trying to hide the fact and the styles of clothes that I would go for at that time, you know, trying to think I was camouflaging things. But of course I wasn't because I was obese. The funny thing is that when I, you know, now that I, you know, I'm sitting here recording in my size zero jeans, which is unbelievable to me from the past. But when I first got to my goal size, really even for years, we would go to a store and my husband would pick up clothes that I would have bought when I weighed 210 pounds, like the style, the empire waist, which is like a high waist, you know, trying to minimize the belly. And he would be like, oh, look at this. I'm like, that's not the way I dress now. I can buy whatever I want, but those are the clothes I wore to camouflage myself. I'm no longer buying those clothes. But he still was like, this is your style. I'm like, not anymore. It isn't. No more bathing suits with the ruffled skirt. (laughs) I do still wear a little ruffled skirt just because I like a little, but it's not down to my knees. like It used to be. It's not like a swim dress. It's just a little cute ruffled skirt. But, you know, it is hard for women to shop once you get past regular sizes. You know, when you get beyond the regular department, it's really hard. It's kind of like, here's just some clothes for you. And I just remember, I hope that that does change because we deserve to be beautiful at whatever size. And I, I know it was a struggle. Well, no. And I mean, even not only just the styles, but the colors aren't even pleasing 
It's like, okay, here's a giant thing in dark blue. Enjoy. And the fabric, you know, the fabric choices were all very stretchy and yeah, and I, I just I would not buy those clothes again now because I I don't have to, but I I did have to at that time. So yeah, so you don't get choices like silk or a satiny finish. You get industrial clothing in giant sizes, but that's true, and I think that that will change simply because when you have acceptance like we do within this group that has become a movement that is making its way around the world and making it into mainstream media, we are happy. And I've commented on other people's posts. When you see the face-to-face Fridays, regardless of how much weight has been lost or how long they've been doing intermittent fasting, you see it in their face. It's shown in the smile, the brightness in the eyes. And that person, regardless of what the number on the scale is, is happy. Yeah. So it's like reduced inflammation too. Like you see the reduced inflammation immediately. Yeah. And happy people should have happy clothes. End of story. I think so too. And you should feel happy wearing your clothes. (laughs) That's what I think. And, you know, just having the options. I do think society overall is demanding that we have more choices for all body sizes and realizing there's, there's no, you know, here's where you can buy your good clothes versus having to settle. So that, that's what I hope for everybody, no matter where you are in the journey, I want you to find clothes that make you feel great. Yes. And make you feel handsome and make you feel pretty because it's really hard for me to find women's clothes that fit. Right. I, I can I can see how that would be hard for you. Yeah, exactly. I just, it's, I don't really have the figure for that. So we all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by, by optimizers. This one of a kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code ifstories10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. But it it is interesting to me that 
there are epiphanies and revelations on this journey that are extraordinary. Just the thought that no one on the planet need be obese ever again is amazing to me. I would like to think so. I guess there will always be some, some medical situations where, you know, our bodies do wacky things, but, and, you know, like if you have, you know, a tumor producing insulin, or I don't know, there's some crazy reasons that people can put on weight medically. That's very unusual. But the common obesity that we, we've got right now, like, for example, when you just talked about the grapefruit diet that you were on in the 70s, that gave me a flashback because back in the 70s, very few people were, were obese. But I happened to grow up with an uncle who has fragile X syndrome. And fragile X syndrome is genetic. And, you know, we all know about Down syndrome. Fragile X syndrome is not the same as Down syndrome. It's, it's different, but it has a similar kind of cluster of symptoms and characteristics. Well, my uncle, Uncle Buddy is his name. He was always obese. And in the 70s, everywhere we went, it stood out. He was the biggest person in the room. And, and it was alarming because people weren't that big. And I remember my grandmother had him trying the grapefruit diet. I think that part of his disability is he doesn't have satiety signals say stop eating. You know, he's, he just would just keep eating. So he has to have caregivers who help him with that. But now, you know, he lives in a group home. And he has caregivers. So he's pretty much the same size he was in the 70s. But you go out in public with him, he no longer stands out as the biggest person in the room. He fits right in. He actually is smaller than a lot of people. But in the 70s, you know, it it was a different kind of climate. So I think the obesity epidemic, there's so much going on and so many different ways we can address it. But I think fasting is one thing that's going to change the world. I think so too, because once people realize that fasting is not some horrendous, difficult thing to do. Once they get the concept of when you stop eating for the night and go to bed and don't eat until you start again the next day, that's essentially a fast. And all we're saying is do it a little longer than that and do it, do it cleanly. And that's the other thing that was a revelation to me. And one of the things I I really love about you is that you're approachable, you're honest, and you say, look, I didn't get the whole clean fasting thing. And then once I did, oh, it's amazing because all the other things I did, the cabbage soup diet, South Beach diet, Weight Watchers, Nutrisystem, Atkins diet, keto, carnivore diet, the monkeys from space diet, whatever they came out with, because this is the other thing that's amazing to me too. Y'all are so kind to everybody because you've heard all the same questions over and over and over again, and you're not frustrated. This is why you're a much nicer person than me, because if I was on my third book, my third book would be called, Oh, for the love of God, just brush your teeth, people. Right, right. <laughs> we get that a lot. We get that question every day. Oh, my God, it just came to me. Can I brush my teeth? We're like, yes, please brush your teeth. Thank you. But see, I think what people forget is we've gone through so much over the course of dieting for many of us decades and all of it is so restrictive for stupid reasons that when we get something it just seems too simple how can it be that i just clean fast don't eat and then i eat in my window wait a minute how can i eat anything in my window and all of this stuff is just being piled on top of the lies and misinformation and 
the shame and the humiliation and the frustration and the desperation that we have felt. You know, people want to overcomplicate both parts of it. People want to overcomplicate the clean fast as well. Well, can I have this and can I have that? And we're like, no, have these these things. Black coffee, plain tea, plain water, plain sparkling water. Stop there. And they're like, but what about? And I'm like, no, no, you can't have that. No. <laughs> can I make tea out of mushrooms that I harvest by the light of the moon? No. <laughs> but, you know, don't overcomplicate the clean fast. Don't overcomplicate the eating window either. You know, can I do this? Yes, in the eating window. Figure it out for yourself how it feels right. You mentioned all those crazy diets. I didn't feel great on keto. My body told me that. I don't do keto. But if you love keto and you feel great on keto, eat that way. There's no, here's how I want you to eat in the eating window for anybody. Can you have pie? I'll have pie. See what happens. For me, you've probably heard me say that I've realized sugar gives me restless legs. I'm still not happy about that because I like sugar and I don't demonize it, but I also don't want to have restless legs. So I don't eat a lot of sugar, but not because a book told me to stop. I just like to feel good in my body. And so I'm making that choice. And so everybody has to figure it out, but it will take you time. At the beginning, you might eat like you're at a frat party. No, and I think a lot of us do. I certainly did. And then the tastes change, which was absolutely hilarious to me. So for instance, when we were still in the NFL playoff situation, I'm, I'm sitting down and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. I've been intermittent fasting. And so my window is going to be open while I'm watching football. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get me the Frito scoops, the big ones. Oh, those are great. And then I'm going to get some of the Dean's sour cream and onion dip. Man, I love that when I was a kid. I haven't had it in years because it's not good for you. Can't have that. It's not on any diet. I've never seen a diet that had Dean's on it, right? Yeah. So I sit down and I'm so excited. Literally, Jen, five chips in. I'm like, well, crap. You know, this, this doesn't taste good. So I threw the dip out because it just, it tasted like school paste. And I kept the chips because the next day for my OMAD, I had a big old white bread, peanut butter and jelly sandwich with the scoops and a big old glass of milk. And it was fantastic. But then again, the day, a day later, I ran into the phenomenon that you talked about is when did they change the way they make these? So the Fritos are okay now and again because I still like the taste of them. But having a bag of them in the house, they just taste sort of greasy and strange. And I'm like, well, damn. So there's things I eat instead. You know, I say that I still like that, but that actually is a lie because I would not choose. Like I do still like peanut butter and jelly, but it's just the quality of my peanut butter and jelly is different. Like, for example, instead of the cheapest peanut butters, I want really high-quality natural peanut butter. And instead of white bread, I like, you know, a, a higher quality, like Dave's Killer Bread. Have you ever tried that? I love Dave's Killer Bread, and they've got so many different varieties. They've got the bagels. Oh, my gosh. And, like, really high-quality preserves instead of, you know, the cheap, cheap jelly. So it's just I would not want a white bread, peanut butter, and jelly. So I just wanted to get that out there. No, and it, and it's true. And my tastes have changed within this stuff. And what I also realized is since I am literally spending so much less on groceries, I have decided to upgrade the stuff that I do eat. So I am eating a lot of the things you, and I go, hey, you know what? I'm going to get some of that brie. I like brie because I'm not eating three meals a day and four snacks a day and all this stuff and have the house, fit. you know, I was 
laughing when I posted one day about the fact that I shopped for the first time, appetite corrected, but didn't change what I bought. And now I have food that will last me until the end of the world. There's ice cream in my freezer that'll be there when the company no longer exists because I'm not blowing through a pint in a sitting anymore. I'm having four or five tablespoons and going, whoo, that was good gelato, but I'm not, you know, going crazy. So I don't have to buy ice cream for the rest of my life. It's in there and I'll get to it eventually, but it's just not on my radar right now. And that's the process that people that are still in the food police mentality can't understand. It's gotten a lot better now that the groups are actually, believe it or not, now that the groups are larger and more people have listened to my podcast, more people actually understand. But sometimes somebody new will wander in and they still have, you know, super duper diet mentality. And they're like, why are you allowing people to post a picture of Frito Scoops, for example? And well, it's like, well, because if I said, John, don't eat Frito Scoops, that's Frankenfood. That would be me imposing dietary views onto you. But when you're like, gosh, these don't taste really good. I don't want them. That's you owning it. Yeah. And you figured it out and you've made decisions for yourself. I mean, what people have to realize is this is the most friendly, freedom filled thing I've ever seen in my entire life because everything else has got so many restrictions, caveats, and things like that. And people think that this is a little weird or strange, but just think back, if you've ever dieted before, the absolute crazy nonsense that we tried out of desperation. If it sort of worked for a friend, they're like, oh, dude, you have to try this. I'm like, okay, all right, now now listen carefully. You can have air and you can have corn. Now, this is important. Right before you go to bed, you squeeze a half a lemon into a quart of motor oil. You drink that down. Don't worry, you'll get used to it. And then you sleep on your right side with a feather in your ass. It's great. It'll work. And you're like, all right, I'm in. Where do I get the feather? Can it be an eagle feather or can it be from a sparrow? And you're ready to do this complete nonsense because you're desperate and panicked and frustrated and nothing else has ever worked. And here's something that I want to make sure I get in in this podcast. It didn't work. It wasn't you. So that's where we have to cut ourselves a break because when we were all in on all this stuff, we bought the prepared meals, we bought the food, we bought the measuring scoops, we bought the protein powder, we bought the gym membership, we got the nutritionist on board, we bought the trainer, we did the, and we were all in. And the thing that made me so angry once was when I lived in California, I lived in Venice, California, and I worked out at Gold's Gym because I could ride my bike over there. It was right close to where I lived. I got the gym membership. The trainer, the nutritionist, bought his damn stupid journal. I hate to write stuff down, but I ate exactly what he told me to. I wrote everything that went down into my mouth in that stupid journal, and I showed up every day, and they beat my behind for two hours a day in the gym. And when I didn't lose weight, he looked at me and says, you know what? You have to be lying. You know, that's that's the part that makes me the maddest, too. I've heard that from people. I'm like, dude, you watch what you're putting me through. You're making me write this down. It's all right here. I had the three giant Bavarian pretzels in the glass of milk that was exactly 10 ounces because you said that would be the combination of protein and carbs. And I'm doing what you're telling me to do and I'm hating every second of it. And you're telling me that it's me 
Step outside, pal. And and that you, if you just must not be compliant. You must be driving away and going through the drive-through or hitting the buffets. You know, it, yeah. So it was the whole blame the victim mentality. You're not drinking enough water. You're not. Oh, shut up. Oh yeah, that that is something that we still hear all the time. People are like, well, you know, I'm having a hard stop, a hard time getting started, and my weight. If I could just make myself drink more water, I'm like, listen. You know, that is also a lie (laughs) because I'm not going to say that water is not important because it is. We need water. And I'm not going to say that drinking water couldn't have a positive benefit, but it's not a magical. If only you were just drinking 42 gallons of water, you would be having better results. But people really think that, you know, you see the giant jugs where they have the, you know, the motivational things on there like. No, just drink water. It's not that hard. Don't make it hard. Yeah, and it's a situation where we've been not necessarily programmed, but bombarded with all these stupid, unfounded facts because we've tried all these diets. We've done all these things. And I love the fact that there isn't a meal plan because you and I have done so many different things throughout the course of our lives. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. You remember the ones where they give you the meal plan and you go, where the hell am I going to get an ostrich egg for the morning? Are you kidding me? I don't want to eat worm salad and chicken lips. Come on, man. How about actual food I can find? I get so worked up with the celebrities that have decided that they're going to tell us all how to live. And, you know. and their diet books, right? Well, here's the thing. They've got way too much time on their hands and unlimited funds. So they literally can do whatever some stupid guru tells them. But the rest of us cannot, you know, I found every other day I like to have an enema of gold and lobster. And if you want to switch it up, you can also add diamonds. Oh, come on. The rest of us are working for a living and you got people all over the world that are going, oh, great, mate. I'm glad you thought of that. I'll just pop down the market, get a basket full of sea creatures and precious stones and metals and stuff the lot of it up the south end. I'll be right as rain in the morning. Thank you for that. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But I remember trying some of those diets and going to the grocery store with my shopping list and it would be like so expensive. 
that I couldn't believe it. I'm like, well, this is not sustainable. I can't eat like this. No, they want you to buy these rare black mushroom truffle things that, oh, get out of here. Yeah. I mean, if you want to eat rare black mushroom truffles, you should be allowed to have that in your eating window. But the special foods is what really always got me. And I would try it. I would throw everything away in my pantry that was not compliant and clean slate. And then I'd be like, uh-uh, forget it. Then I'm driving through the drive through I had diets that I tried so often because nothing was working that the raccoons in my neighborhood would go, hey, man, it's Tuesday. He's going to be throwing stuff out today. He's going to empty the entire pan. And they're waiting by the trash can going, here he comes. All right, Cheetos. Yes. Yeah. But the next week, you're back on the Cheetos. Well, yeah, you, you just you just get so frustrated with it. And you go, if this is as good as it gets, screw it. I'm a fat guy. Right. Yeah, that was me. That was me in that period of time where I, I got up to 210 pounds. And every now and then, I, like, I love Facebook memories because they tell me where I was on, you know, on that day and time. And just last week, my Facebook memory was from whatever year it was. Maybe it was 2012, where... Right as the New Year's resolution came around, I said, this is the year I'm just going to love myself and I'm not going to diet. Okay, I was obese. And that was the year I was, I'd given up. But then right around, right now, we're recording this in early March, but right around this part of of the year is where I was like, okay, I'm going to try one more time. I lasted from January to March of the giving up. And then I'm like, all right, no, I can do it. I can do it. And I didn't do it. It wasn't until fasting that I, I did it. But I was still in that cycle. The periods of giving up got longer. And then the, the attempts to rein it in got shorter. So that's what happened. But I still kept cycling through that vicious, I quit, I give up, I'm just going to be happy. And then, well, I'm really not happy. I need to do something. And the nice thing about what I do for a living is when my Facebook memories come up, it's pictures of me fat, but in an exotic location. So that's kind of neat. Right. That is neat. So you started December 20th. You haven't been doing it really very long, but tell us what your experience has been like so far. Like, Do you know how much weight you've lost? Well, as I said in one of my early posts, I don't particularly care for the scale because I personally get crazy with the numbers and it makes me insane. So one thing I did do, I got one of those great scales that gives you your weight and your body fat percentage and the BMI and the BMR and it tells you how you should cut your hair. I mean, everything, right? The reason I did that is because if I'm actually going to weigh myself at some point, and I've said this in some of my posts, I realize that even though I don't like doing it, numbers resonate with other people and it helps them. So if we're going to be loving and supportive, you're in maintenance, that's a whole nother deal. If we're going to be loving and supportive, I will put my fat ass on a scale just so that there's numbers for people that like that to see, right? So highest weight was 288. Starting weight December the 20th was 273. And the last time I weighed, I was 248. And that was last month. And so I don't know where I am now, but what I thought was interesting with this scale is it gives me the body fat and my body fat is 22% which for as fat as I look in the mirror to my eyes and my mind, that's pretty cool. So you you can tell that you're tapping into fat. Yeah, because what my mind thinks I look like is like, well, that's got to be 700% body fat because we just think we're awful, but we're not. And I can see the trimming in the middle where the rib cage is, and then it goes into the fat around it. But as you've all talked about, 
the fat around my middle is starting to get kind of spongy and squishy. I'm like, all right, it's getting ready to move. Yep. I had that conversation with somebody today. She's like, wait, I look worse. <laughs> you know, I've lost, I've lost weight, but my, my fat looks worse. It's squishier. I'm like, yeah, that's what happens because it's clearing out. And now it's like just kind of hanging there. But eventually it'll tighten up. It'll go away. It's really kind of amazing. It is kind of amazing. And that's why I said in another one of my posts, I'm really excited about how much body fat there still is. Because if I weigh this number less and feel this much better and fit in this style or size of clothes versus where I started, how much better is this going to get? Because this isn't a contest. It isn't a competition. It doesn't end. This is my life. And so you see people, I'll just go with men like Graham Curry or Brian Peters or Jerry Saunders that have done this consistently that are active and you've got somebody who competes like Brian or somebody who gets up, does however many push-ups it's going to be that day, which is Jerry. And they are, I mean, look at their face. They're smiling. They're happy. They're oh mad. They're eating these magnificent, wonderful, interesting meals and having the dessert that they feel like having. And whereas Brian will have something that probably has some sugar in it. He's also got the protein pancakes with the ice cream on top. Jerry's got the stuff from Whole Foods that's still a dessert, but is not a ultra processed thing. There's all these choices out there to still be able to eat what you want, to celebrate with, to participate with when you eat with family and friends, and still be intermittent fasting and still look like these gentlemen look. They look fantastic. And we're all different sizes and races and ages and genders and heights and DNA. And it works for all of us. And we celebrate the food and that we we love it and we eat with relish. I mean, I don't mean you're adding relish. <laughs> you can add relish, but I meant with gusto, right? We eat with enjoyment. You know, sometimes we'll have people, and you know, now that we have post approval turned on, we don't approve this one, this one anymore. But people used to always post, "How can we have food photos?" I thought this was a fasting group. We're like, no, no, we're a group that celebrates every bit of it. We celebrate the fast. We celebrate the feast. I'm not sitting around the fast really sad because I'm fasting or because someone else is eating, and. You can't like hide yourself from all food photos. There are actually fasting groups, I think, that have a no food photo policy. You know, maybe people would like those groups better. But I'm driving down the road. There's a billboard with food on it. There's a commercial on the television. You can't keep yourself isolated from the idea of food. But in our groups, we celebrate the fast and we celebrate the feast because everyone eats. Exactly. And unless you want to live in a, a cave and fast, which is fine. If that's your deal, go ahead and do it. There's food, there's life, there's things out there. And another thing I posted the other day was food in regards to what they're doing at a work meeting, a convention, or an occasion with family is actually more about the fellowship. So I can tell people, no, dude, my window opens later, but I'll definitely go to lunch with you because I like you. I want to hang with you. I'll just have my black coffee or my Topo Chico or whatever and be there for the fellowship of what this gathering is. Or because of how freedom-loving this group is, I can say, as I did in Cozumel one time when I was meeting on the first ship, I was with the magician friend of mine, Jessica, who, who does this. I said, what do you think tomorrow when we go meet Dave in Cozumel? We open our window earlier. I'll take you to that place that has the, how do you pronounce the shark? 
charcuterie board or what? Charcuterie. That's how I say it. Exactly. So whatever it's called, I said they've got that and they've got the most amazing fresh shrimp ceviche you've ever had in your life. So we went, opened our windows early. I mean, feasted on this wonderful enjoy every bite kind of situation, had some beers at a place because it was a cerveceria, and then we happily, not bloated, but happily full, went back to the ship and didn't eat that night. When our normal window was open, we actually went up to the Lido deck, which is called the Garden Cafe on Norwegian, and we had some black coffee and water and giggled and laughed and talked about this magnificent day that we shared and all the stuff that we did. But it was window worthy. It was perfectly window worthy. And so that's what people need to get to that point to understand that one day you're not going to be sitting around like sad that you're fasting and you're going to appreciate the fast every bit as much as you appreciate the feast. And you know that you are only hours away from your next amazing meal. You're not missing out on it, not having it right this instant. There's the delay. You're delaying. You're, you can have it later. Or now, if you choose. <laughs> if you choose to, absolutely. And if there's something that you're very allergic to, like there's people that will die if they eat X, well, you're not sad that you're not having that. You're happy that you're not blowing up and needing a, an EpiPen and inches from death. So when I'm fasting, I'm happy because not only am I thrilled with what this is all about, but I've got that energy and I'm excited, and I like the progress, and I know that I'll be eating later, or I'll change my window if I'm going to be in a port and someone's got to go back to their ship early. I'll just change it. So one of the things that was really amazing was I wanted to do this ADF thing for Lent, and I contacted you and said, you know, my stomach right now is going insane. I've had like three cups of coffee. I've had my topo and water, and it's not cutting it. I'm, and I told you, I said, I'm not lightheaded. I don't feel unwell, but this is crazy. And you went, you know what? Then go ahead and eat. And so I didn't think of it. This is what I, I really want to say to people. Let's get rid of the diet mentality, the diet words and the diet phrases, because I didn't fail. I didn't mess up my fast. I didn't blow it. I don't have to start over. I opened my window early by listening to the signals that my body sent. I had two meals that day instead of one and was back to fasting the next day. And I don't even know what the hours were, but I ate until I felt good and was full. And I now know what full is as opposed to absolutely overstuffed burping things into your mouth full, which is what I thought full used to be. Oh, yeah. That's how I lived my life, perpetually full. I know. It was horrible. And on a cruise ship, like I can imagine, you know, because I never felt worse than I did at my rock bottom. It was on that cruise ship. And it was a, a ship out of Tampa. It was the Carnival Legend out of Tampa. And we went to Cozumel on that cruise, in fact. But I never felt more miserable. But I was at breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks in between. So how, how different do you feel now on a cruise versus prior to IF? Well, the word keeps coming up and the word is freedom. And I feel so empowered and so strong and brave and courageous and wonderful to take any adjective, positive adjective that you want to describe yourself. I feel mighty. And like I said earlier in this podcast, walking around like a boss, that's how I feel everywhere because I know I can have that cupcake just later. I don't have to have it now. And I'm not missing out on anything because anything that's on that ship is available to me to have. 
And now that I've gotten pickier and my tastes have changed, I like to have different things than I would have chosen before. But if there's a day where I go, man, you know what? I want a cheeseburger and some fries. I can have it. Absolutely. I still love a cheeseburger. You know that about me. I will never stop loving a cheeseburger and fries. My stomach doesn't like certain fries anymore. They have to be cooked in higher quality oil. I don't like cheap fries anymore because they don't feel good to my stomach. But yeah, cheeseburger and fries, yum. And you've said that bacon doesn't really work for you much anymore. Not so well, although Grassroots Farmers Cooperative, they have sponsored this podcast and they sent me a big old box of meat, which was like so exciting. I love that. That's the fun part of having a podcast. (laughs) And so their bacon did not make my stomach hurt. And people always said, oh, no, it's not. it's, it's." And I'm like, no, really, I've tried natural bacon. It always, but the Grassroots Farmers Cooperative bacon did not make my stomach hurt. And so, yeah, it was pretty great. And I think people also find that, I mean, if you're celiac or have something very specific, that is what it is. But people that have had food sensitivities, it's come to my mind that it's our body sending us a signal going, dude, will you please wake up? I'm going to keep checking stuff off the list that's going to make you feel bad until you wake up and do something different. And then once I have fasted, there isn't anything. I don't have a sensitivity to dairy or to carbs or to anything at all anymore. Whereas before I had done the autoimmune protocol diet because I have two autoimmune diseases I'm dealing with, which have both really, really gotten in line with intermittent fasting. That's awesome. That, I mean, health is the best. You have freedom. Free, well, freedom is the best. Okay. I can't really say what's the best. It's all the best. <laughs> health is the best. Freedom is the best. Bacon is the best. You know, it's all, it's all fabulous, but wow. I'm off all of my meds, including meds for depression. And so as we've always said, and I'm counting me in this because as we know, I'm amazing. My posts are awesome. Uh, <laughs> No, as as all of us have said, whatever you're doing with your healthcare professional, whether that's a GP or a PCP or somebody who is a naturopath, talk to them, coordinate with them, and deal with it. I'm not off of these meds because I went, all right, let's just throw all of these with the Cheetos in the trash and see what happens. I cycled off of stuff. And I'm no longer on steroids and methotrexate and folic acid and topical steroids for the the lichen planus skin thing, which was just horrible. It was rashes and it was bumps and it was lesions and it was bleeding and horrible and itchy. All of that is gone because of intermittent fasting. I do continue to have occasional flares, but they're so minor, I don't even notice it anymore. My mood is extraordinary. My therapist, who I now see on a quarterly basis, because she said, John, you know what? I wish I had more patients like you because no matter how bad your physical pain got, no matter how bad the depression got, you never quit. You did the work. You put in the time and you were honest with me. And look where we are now. We're checking in on a quarterly basis. And she has not talked to me since I started IF in earnest. And she's going to be thrilled. Because she's going to be able to see in my face, in my eyes, my body, in my attitude that this is just another tool in the toolbox of all the things I have done for my mental health, my physical health, 
And it all spirals upward just as it spirals downward. When we are sleeping better and eating better and fasting, up and up and up it goes. Your mood increases. I mean, look, again, I'll, I'll use Jerry Saunders as a, an example. Look how happy he is in every picture he posts. This man is joy expounded into enjoying life. He's a light in the world. And that's because he's doing this. Yep. Well, in 60 seconds or less, what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting? My top 100 tips are these. Number one through 99, clean fast. That's where the magic is right there because that's where it happens. And that's where it really changes for you because your taste change, your body change, you become appetite corrected, fat adapted. That's where the deal is. And tied for number 100 is love yourself, trust the process, and enjoy the journey. And what those mean is no one is harder on us than ourselves. So just suck it up and love you for who you are, where you are, and where you're going to be. And that is leading us to trusting the process, which is this works. It works for everybody that's ever done it. And it works differently for everybody, which is awesome because you can eat different things or be a vegan, a vegetarian, a pescatarian, a keto person, a paleo person, a carnivore, an omnivore, a space alien, whatever it is you do, it works with intermittent fasting. So trust that the process works. You'll figure it out. You'll tweak it. It'll be great. And then the last part was enjoy the journey because that's where we all get to be our own personal mad scientists. We get to cheat you know, because you said my sweet spot, 19.5. There you go. You figured it out. You figured out the clean fast. You figured out what foods work. You know, if you want to have sugar, you just say, Chad, put your helmet on. I'm going to have restless legs tonight. You know, but you can have it if you want. It's a choice and I choose it. Yep. Every single time. And we are always in charge and I don't beat myself up when I do it. Me either. It's wonderful. It really, really is. Well, John, I have enjoyed talking to you today, and I look forward to following your progress over the coming months and years. Thank you, my dear. Very, very much. Thank you for having me, and fast on, my friends. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com, and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.